0: open your word and I want to thank you for its truth and uh, I love that idea that it's truth that will echo down through eternity God and so that's why we look at this this morning I pray that you will drive your truths deep inside our hearts God we build our lives on your truth for the glory and the fame of your son Jesus Christ and it's in his name we pray amen Okay, you may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Would you do me a favor and open your Bibles with me uh, to Daniel chapter 9. I'm going to continue in a series that we start great prayers in the Bible. Uh, So we're going to look at Daniel chapter 9. If you're using one of the chair Bibles in front of you, that's page 675, okay? That'll help you find that easily. Uh, Daniel is part of the prophets, and it's a little off-center to your right, okay? If you're having a difficult time finding it. Uh, there's a handout in your bulletin. You can follow along with me. While you're doing that, I want to remind you next week, uh, we're going to do baptism and the Lord's Supper together. And that's uh, one of my favorite weekends of worship when we kind of couple the ordinances that God, that Christ gave us to remember his death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, we celebrate uh, our new life in Christ with these ordinances that, uh, that God has given us. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, if you've been thinking about being baptized or uh, you know you're Going to be baptized? Would you do me a favor and meet with uh, with us uh, after the service? So you're just going to go out these doors and go to the left. There's some administrative offices right over here, and we'll meet with you for just a few minutes after the service. We will to talk to you about uh, just some of the um, basic stuff of what you got to do and be <laughs> to be ready for baptism next week. Okay, uh, 2015 is right around the corner, if you can believe that. And uh, I've been part of this series is. To prepare us as a church, because I uh, I'm excited about 2015. God is really going to move in us. He's going to make us uncomfortable. He's going to stretch us uh, as a church body, and uh, and so um, I want us now to be in prayer uh, for where God is leading us in 2015. And so that's part of this series. The second part of the series is to kind of give you a framework or a theology of prayer. There's so many great prayers in the Bible. As I was thinking about preaching on this, it was difficult to... To narrow it down to three or four great prayers, I think we 're all familiar with the prayer of Christ, you know, and and that 's the one we often default to, but I just wanted to show you some other saints of God and their prayers and their context uh, to help you build a theology of prayer and, and to stretch you in your prayer life and so uh, that 's kind of why i 've decided to park here you know one of my favorite comedians is a guy by the name of Tim Hawkins. I, I really love Tim Hawkins and he tells the story of where one of his children came to him, his son, and he says, and his son asked him a question. He said, "Dad, you know, out of all the kids, I mean, do you have favorites?" And he looked at his son. He said, "Son, of course, it's your sister, you know." And so, and I love that. And and uh, you know, so you know, we know as parents, you don't have favorites. You just have some that you like better than others at different moments, right? And. Uh, I love you, but I don't like you right now, you know? And, and, uh, but kids have a strange sense of fairness. Like, if you really do like one more than the other, like, they will pick up on that and they, they have a strange sense of fairness. And, and, and what happens is in your life, when you think something's unfair, uh, you'll quickly, in your heart and attitude, go to disappointment, right? You ever been disappointed? Maybe you're here this morning, and like you're you're sitting here with a profound sense of disappointment. Like life has taken a 90-degree a angle from where you thought it was going to be. And you're sitting here this morning, and there is a heavy sense of disappointment in your heart and life. This prayer of Daniel is in the context of tremendous disappointment. Right? Like maybe, maybe you're like, like maybe you're sitting here this morning and and the disappointment in your life is you know the person i dated and then got married to and and we were dating man god was the center of this relationship and and we prayed together we went to church together and once i said i do man this relationship went this way and i can't even get this person to come to church anymore like we're totally disunified in spirituality like that can lead to disappointment right Maybe you're sitting here this morning and like, you know, I started a business with the hope of doing something I love and servicing my customers or my clients and in hopes of making a living for my family. And I wanted my intention was to be generous with the money I was gonna make. And, and man, it just the business just dried up, and, and I've had to go do something I really don't love to do. And you're you're kind of walking this path of disappointment. Where's God in the middle of that? You know, maybe you're here this morning and you you brought your kids up in the Lord. You know you you took them to church, you did the youth group thing or the Sunday school thing or whatever now. Like they're just going on a totally different path and and the only thing you could do is as you have adult children is to lift them before the Lord in prayer, but you're wondering like, "God, what is that?" You have this profound sense of disappointment. We're going to look at the prayer of Daniel this morning and it's setting is extreme disappointment. Daniel and his friends, if you know the story of daniel he he uh, and the history up to this point is is the nation of Israel. God blessed them, He chose them to to be the line of the Messiah, the son of God, and he told him he was going to bless their nation, and they were given this land uh through Moses and through Joshua and through the promise to Abraham and then you have these kings that lead the lead the nation at, 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 at under the leadership of David and solomon the 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 nation is at its peak financially. It's world-renowned. And then, because of disobedience, they kind of go to this downward spiral until eventually the Lord says, listen, I've got to judge you as a nation. He deports them uh, into a whole other land, the land of the, the country's overrun, and the Babylonians came and they deport all the people to a strange land, and that's Daniel and his friends. And so Daniel is hoping and longing for the day when he gets to go home to his home country. I mean, I want you to imagine this. I want to imagine it's you, right? You're uprooted from Newport News, from the peninsula, from the Hampton area. You're taken to a whole other country, and you're sitting there and you're wondering, God, when do I get to go home? And he longs to go home. He's expecting to go home. And Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, he says he gets word that God says, nope, and it's in, in verse 2 of Daniel, and I don't have it in your hand, I think, but he's, it's an interesting word in verse 2, interesting phrasing. It says he was reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, which I could do a whole sermon on how we know God's word is God's word. Okay, so Daniel acknowledges Jeremiah, the prophet's teaching, is the word of God. He says, reading the word of the Lord, and I get word, basically, nope, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. I mean, imagine that. You're Daniel. You're longing to go home. And here's the deflating, discouraging news you get. Daniel, you're going to spend your life in a foreign country. It's not going to happen in your lifetime. This profound disappointment. Profound discouragement. And, And maybe that's where you are. It's in that context that you're trying to pray Pastor Sean, you're talking about prayer life. Like I'm trying to pray, but man, life has hit me upside the head. It hasn't quite worked out the way I would hoped. And so here's what I'm, doing. I'm going to do. i want to pull a couple truths out of this prayer of Daniel that I hope will encourage you and help you frame your prayers, even in disappointment, okay? And so the first thing I want you to see is that even though Daniel's disappointed, he comes to God with a proper address. He comes to God with a proper address. You know, it's easy when you're disappointed to kind of, Enter the presence of God with a surly attitude, isn't it? Kind of come in like, what's the deal, God? Right? And by the way, there, there are places in Scripture, in the Psalms, where the psalmist is pretty blunt, okay? Like, I always say God can handle it, but, but even Daniel in this disappointment, John, Daniel chapter 9, verse 4 says, I prayed to the Lord my God. So he's been revealed to him, through the prophet Jeremiah, you're going to spend 70 years here, you're not going home. And so he says, so I prayed to the Lord my God, and I confess... Oh, Lord, you're great and awesome God. He starts his prayer by saying, God is great, right? I love that. How many of y'all remember praying that prayer as a kid, right? God is great. God is good. You know, let us thank him for our... You get, no one prayed that prayer? All right. So, Yeah, all right. Well, so, but, you know, God is truly great. Right? We, we, we give the word greatness out way too easily, right? This is some great pizza man, this is some great pizza, right? You know, or whatever. Like, like, if there's ever a great one, it is, it is our God that we worship. And Daniel, even with a sense of disappointment, prays, man, God is great. God is truly good. There's nothing that compares to our God. And then he says, God is great, and he's an awesome God. And the word awesome actually has the idea of being terrifyingly awesome. Like, Again, it's kind of like the word "great." Like we use the same we use "awesome" to describe all kinds of things that really aren't awesome, right? That was an awesome TV show, you know, or whatever. Like, no, our God is terrifyingly awesome. There is a sense of holiness and separateness. There is a sense in which we don't belong in the presence of God. There is a fear factor when approaching our God, and we don't enter His presence casually. And Daniel here, he doesn't open his enter the presence of God griping. He recognizes that God is terrifyingly awesome. He recognizes that God has a hatred for sin. He recognizes that God is just in his judgments. He recognizes his need for an intercessor. There is a reverence and awe when Daniel enters the presence of God. Here's the second thing I want you to see how the prayer of Daniel he's true, he understands that God is true to his promises and character. In his prayers, he recognizes that God is true to his promises and his character. Check this out in Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. Man, oh, Lord, you're you're great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But, verse 5. We have sinned and we've done wrong and we've rebelled against you and scorned your commands and your regulations. And we have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets who spoke on your authority to our kings and our princes and our ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are right. You are in the right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all of Israel scattered near and far wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. Oh, Lord, and our, oh Lord, we and our kings and princes and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. Now let me park here for a minute. To understand this prayer, you ready for this? This is, this, is, this is a little bit of nerdy stuff, pastoral nerdy stuff, okay? To understand this prayer, you have to understand the book of Leviticus. Did you know that? Because in the book of Leviticus, when God gave the people of Israel the land, he set up a covenant with them. And inside this covenant, there were covenant blessings for obedience to the word of God. And there were covenant cursings for disobedience to God. And as Daniel is praying here, he is mindful of the word of God. And one of the reasons you need to be in your Old Testament and reading your Old Testament is the Old Testament is Jesus's Bible. Okay? You're not going to understand the ministry of Jesus till you understand your Old Testament. Okay, And so here, as Daniel is praying, he's understanding that the people of Israel have disobeyed God. And so what they're receiving, Leviticus 26, is the cursings promised to them inside the covenant that God made with his people. They're getting what they deserve. They're getting covenant cursings. They're, they're, they're They've lived in disobedience generation after generation after generation. And finally, God says, you know what? Enough. I'm going to do what I promised I was going to do all the way back in Leviticus 26. And Daniel goes on to pray this in Daniel chapter nine, verse 11. All Israel has disobeyed your instructions and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. It's the last time you prayed this prayer. Like Daniel kind of goes, we're getting what we deserve. It's not an easy prayer to pray. I mean, you want to talk about an honest prayer. He understands the character and the promises of his God. You've kept your word. You've done to our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has done what? What's it say, church? Has what? Come true. Yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for he, we did not obey him. I hope you're feeling a twinge of weight this morning. I'm going to come back to our culture in a minute, Okay. Now, let me give you a little bit of relief here, okay? Let me, let me take this for a moment and run this through the New Testament, because this is where it gets really cool. This is where the person and work of Christ is incredible. On planet Earth, there's only one person who ever walked, the, walked on planet Earth that really did not deserve covenant cursings, Leviticus 26. There's only one person that really ever kept the law so perfectly they didn't deserve covenant cursings, and that's Jesus Christ. Okay? And so Jesus Christ walked the road perfectly, kept the rules perfectly, kept the Ten Commandments perfectly in his mind, in his heart, in his thoughts, and in his actions. Perfect, without sin. Yet, he is the one who bore the wrath of God. He's the one that bore covenant cursings. Remember, as he hung on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, what did he say next? Why have you forsaken me? Why am I bearing covenant cursings? I fulfilled the obedience of Leviticus 26, first couple verses. The back end is the cursings part of Leviticus 26. And then, church, here's the good news of the New Testament. We receive covenant blessings by grace through faith when we put our trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? So I want to lighten your load a little bit this morning. That's why at Coastal, if you come to Coastal, you know, if you're new here, whatever, we're going to talk about Jesus, 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 Jesus. Why? Because he's our savior. He's the only reason we get to be in the presence of God and pray at all. And so Daniel, though, he understands the word of God and the character of God and the promises of God. And here's what he says. Basically, his prayer is, God, we're experiencing exactly what you said. We're experiencing your justice, your judgment, and we're experiencing covenant cursings. Did you ever pray that? We're, we're experiencing justice, judgment, and covenant cursings. You ever really pray? You ever really ask yourself, am I really getting what I deserve? <laughs> you know, the, the well-known theologians, um, the newsboys, um, they, they wrote a song called, It's a Real Good Thing, right? It's a real good thing. And in one line, the song says, when we, when we don't get what we deserve, it's a real good thing. By the way, what, what is it? What's what's the church word, the Bible word, when you don't get what you deserve? I know? It's mercy, right? And then they go on to say in the song, When we get what we don't deserve, it's a real good thing. What is it when you get something you don't deserve? What's that? Grace. It's grace, that's right. But Daniel here, he prays with understanding of the word of God and God's character. He prays in light of, of understanding of, of judgment. And by the way, let me let me just take a little side trail here, a little side note. I'm finding it more and more difficult as an American to say, hey, God bless America. It's part of my prayers. Because in the reality of what I look around is, is a nation of people. And, and by the way, let me, let me just back up for a minute and say, when I say this, like, like I always think like it's not the them out there. I want to start with the church. I want to start with people saying, yes, I'm a Christian. Like the, the us in here that would gather this morning and say, yes, I'm a Christian. Like, like we're struggling with righteousness, too many of us don't look any different than the rest of the world and the rest of the culture. And when Pastor Sean kisses up here, he preaches on righteousness or holiness, which, by the way, should be the fruits of the Spirit. When you become a Christian, you get deposited in the third person the Trinity, the Holy Spirit in your heart that's molding you into the image of Christ. And so when we dive into the Word of God and when we, we unpack the truths of God, and then you don't adjust your life to the truths of God, you're living in rebellion to the things of God. And at some point, God's going to go, Church, if you don't get your mess together, how in the world are you going to make a difference in the culture? We're just none different. we different when purity and sex and sexuality and, and how we run our businesses and uh, is it above board and doesn't have integrity and how we run our churches and our integrity in the churches and the list goes on and on and on. We have to have character in all things. And 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 Daniel was honest enough to say, God we're basically getting what you said we'd get. You're being true to your character and we're being true to your promises. That's part of Daniel's prayer. Here's the third thing I want you to see out of this prayer. Daniel prays and he says, God, you're being true to your promises and your character. Now, if you're awake, you're going to say, wait a minute, that's the same point you just made. All right. Yep. Yep. Because Daniel, while he recognizes God's character and his promises are true in judgment and in justice and in covenant cursings, he recognizes that God's character is true in other ways as well. Check this out, Daniel chapter 9, verse 9. But the Lord our God, Daniel prays, is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. And then in verse 16, as he's wrapping up his prayer, he says, In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of your ancestors. Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer listen, I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. Oh, my God, for your people in your city who bear your name. What's what's Daniel praying? He's praying about the promises and the character of God. Is God just? Is God going to be true to his judgment? Is God going to be true to his promises? Is God going to be true to covenant cursings? Yes. But God is also true to his love and to his grace and to his mercy. And so, Daniel here appeals to the promises and the character of God. He says, God, remember your mercy. God, remember your grace. God, remember your forgiveness. And if you're here this morning and you feel the weight and the burden of sin, the weight and the burden of disappointment, maybe in some of your own choices. You know, I've always said, I've made some choices I disagree with. Oh, God. And you feel the weight of that. And and, and our God and his character, we can always kneel before him and say, God, please remember that you're a forgiving God. And remember that you're a gracious God. And remember that you're a merciful God. And God, you've displayed your grace and your love and your mercy in Christ, in Jesus Christ. And so I appeal to the gospel of Christ. And our God is always gone. Listen, this goes all the way back to the beginning of the story of this book. Remember, we, we talked about this in Authentic, right? The very beginning story of the book is that man, uh, mankind, through Adam and Eve screwed it all up, right? And we went our own way, and we did, literally, literally. There was we were treasonous against the God of the universe. We we did what we wanted to do, even though he told us the consequences. But even in that, in Genesis, he gives us a promise that he's going to restore all things. And the rest of this book is tracing this theme out of the redemption and the restoration of the human race for the glory of God, because our God is a God of love, and our God is a God of mercy, and our God is a God of forgiveness. And so if you're here this morning you may and you thought, if I ever walk into a church, the walls are going to fall down. I got news for you. First, the walls don't, won't fall down. Second, the God that you want to know is a God that is merciful, gracious, and forgiving. And we can pray that. And we can call to attention God's very own character. Because we worship a God who in Christ has lavished us with mercy and lavished us with grace and lavished us with forgiveness. And so Daniel, when he prays, he recalls the character and the promises of God. final thing I want you to see this morning is when Daniel prays, he prays that God would bring glory to his name. When Daniel prays, he prays that God would bring glory to his own name. I love this idea. I'll tell you what, you can put a little word next to this, ready? The word is worship. This is worship. When your heart is longing to make sure that God is worshiped in all things, God, that you get glory and you get you're honored. Daniel chapter 9, verse 17. Oh our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake. Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. And then, verse nineteen: O oh Lord, hear; O oh Lord, forgive; O oh Lord, listen and act for your own sake. Do not delay. O oh my God, for your people and your city, bear your name. By the way, if you if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you say, "Yes, I'm a Christian." You. That means you're bearing the name of Christ. You're an ambassador, right? Like a couple, about a year ago, uh, the well known basketball player Dennis Rodman decided to take it upon himself and be an ambassador to North Korea, right? And to kind of represent Americans. And you're kind of like, oh, you know, I don't know. A little nervous about that one, okay? And, uh, but you're an, like you're an ambassador of Christ. You go out of these doors, and that means the name of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, is upon you. And so how we speak, the tones in which we speak, how we treat others, how we use our finances, how we work for our boss, how we treat our spouse, the kind of neighbor we are, how we are when we're standing in line shopping, and we treat the person at the cash register, all that stuff is upon us. It takes, we take the name with us. We worship God, and and Daniel, when he pleads, he says, God, the deal is this. We want to make you uh, lifted up. We want to glorify your name. And here we are, we're in ruin, and and we're the laughing stock of the nations. God, we want to make Jesus, or we want to make you famous for your name's sake. It's a theme, by the way, when you read the psalm. The psalms just says it over and over. For your name's sake. For your name's sake. For your name's sake. And so there's a couple takeaways from the end of this prayer where Daniel prays for your name's sake. First of all, our prayers should be consumed with a desire to make Jesus famous. Our prayers should be consumed with a desire to make Jesus famous. Um, church, this, this would radically change our prayer lives, by the way. I mean, Like, this would... If if you entered into your prayer time with a desire to bring glory to the name of God, and by the way, Philippians 2 reminds us that that God has lifted up his son Jesus Christ, okay, as the as the pinnacle of our worship, okay? New Testament stuff. And so and so if if your prayers are consumed with the glory of God, your prayers are going to be consumed with making Jesus famous. Okay? So you go to the doctor, you get really bad news about your health. And you're consumed with making sure Jesus is made famous in all things. How, how does that change your prayer life? You have a family member, a loved one, or a friend that got news that, man, their health isn't, you know, you know the doctor, and you, and you got the C word, right? Like, I was just telling somebody before the service, like, every time I go to the doctor, you're kind of on edge. You're like, are they going to use the C word? Seems like it's all you ever hear, right? But if you're consumed with the glory of Christ, how does that change your prayers? Can you pray for healing? Of course you can. Why? Because as long as you're not a glory robber and you give praise to Christ, you can pray for that. If it's a person you know that's that's far from God, how does being consumed for the fame of Christ, how does that change your prayer? Hey, you know what, God, maybe, maybe you're using this health problem to bring them back to you. Like, maybe that's the bigger prayer that's going on. God, you know, maybe this is not, because by the way, if I'm reading my New Testament right, like this whole idea of the character of God of justice and judgment and covenant cursings, like there's an eternal aspect to that. Last night, we talked about this in our membership class. We talked about one of the essentials here is is, uh, of our doctrine at Coastal. It's not a matter of if you'll live for eternity. It's a matter of where you will live for eternity. And where you live for eternity has everything to do with what you do with the person and work of Jesus Christ. So what if God's using a health concern to renew a person's passion and worship for God's Son and Savior, Jesus Christ? What if that's happening? Is that better than getting better? You don't know? Absolutely it is. God, use this health thing for your glory. And to make Jesus famous in their hearts, that's way more important than adding 10, 20, or 30 years to your life because we're eternal creatures. It changes the way we pray. If you're consumed for the glory of God, how would that change the way you, you, you pray about your money? Right? Can God bring, be glorified when money's tight? right? In fact, I got to tell you something. Uh, the times in my life where money's been tighter, um, those are usually the times that God moves in ways I can't explain. I met with someone this week. We were talking about budgeting, and, and they were telling me a story about how God provided for them so many times when the numbers didn't add up, right? You know, I work on a budget, and there's so many times in my life where the budget doesn't make any sense, right? But then at the end of the year, you're like, wow, we did it. How'd that happen? That's the work of God, To change our prayer lives with our finances, we pray for God to be made famous, for Christ to be lifted up in all things. Our prayer should be consumed with a desire to make Jesus famous. Number two, second takeaway from the end of Daniel's prayer. Our prayer should be consumed with a desire for God's glory to shine among his people that bear his name. I want you to hear that again. Our prayers should be consumed with a desire for God's glory to shine among the people that bear his name. Here's what I mean by that. A big part of our prayers should be for the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. Christ. Pastor Andrew did a great job last week of, up, of lifting up the church. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm really passionate about, and it's not just because I'm the pastor here, but I, I'm passionate because I think the New Testament is passionate about. I'm passionate about local churches. Because churches are the name-bearers of Christ. Churches are the are the pill, they hold the pillar of truth. And as the church in America is dying, is it any reason to wonder that the culture is going to hell in a handbasket? Because we're building on a very feeble foundation. We're not building on the truths of the word of God church. We should be praying for righteousness and holiness and church growth. Why? Not just so we have a big building and lots of people. It's so that lives are radically altered on the truth of God and built on truth so that we can live under covenant blessings. We should be praying for the church, the name bearer of God. We should be praying for righteousness and holiness inside the bride of Christ. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian and there's a habitual sin in your life, you need to repent. Repent. And get straight with God because you're a name bearer. And you're choosing to love your sin more than love the cost of that sin to God himself. And his son, Jesus Christ. We need holiness and righteousness. We should be upholding this church. If this is your church. I mean, we, we, and, and by the way, this is a church that, that believes this is God's word. Okay? We believe this is true. We believe this is how you build your life. And we believe that the message of Jesus is is the message that needs to be taken to every tribe, tongue, and nation. We believe that we're a church that should be in unity. All because of this book. I'm gonna tell you something. This is a healthy church, and I can't, I have no problem saying God bless this church. You wanna know why? Because we're a church that builds on the on the word of God for the glory of Christ. Okay? We should be praying, God, your church needs to go forward. I have no problem praying for Coastal Community Church, that Jesus Christ would be made famous here, that this church would grow. Why? Because as a people, we're the name bearers of Christ. And Daniel prays, God bless the people that bear your name so that you can be made famous. Now, the blessings are not always what we imagine them to be, but blessings are, hey God, you you know, use our lives to bring glory to you, whatever that looks like. And so I pray for this church and I pray for the Church of America because I want it to go forward so that Christ would be made famous in our culture. Daniel prays for your namesake and for the people in the city that bear your name. God be glorified. I uh, I went to school in Chicago and while I lived there, there was a, there was a guy um, by the name of Michael Jordan, you may have heard of him um, who helped that the Chicago Bulls uh, win six championships. Um, you have to be a really big basketball fan to name know this guy. There was a guy on the team when Michael Jordan played. His name was Stacy King. Stacy King was an average player at best, uh, but he managed to get himself three championship rings while playing alongside Michael Jordan. I'll never forget this. In the middle of, of the season, one particular game, Michael Jordan scored an unbelievable 69 points in one game. I mean, in most NBA games, you score about 100 points, You know, maybe 110. He scored 69 of them in one game. It's just unbelievable. In that same game, <clears throat> Stacey King scored one point. He missed all of his shots. He missed all of his free throws except for one. After the game, Stacy King was interviewed. And they asked him, "Stacy, what'd you think about Michael's performance tonight? What'd you think about this game you played tonight?" And he looked up and he said, "I will never forget this, this is the night that me and Michael combined for 70 points." <laughs> You know, after a game in which Michael Jordan was incredible and Stacey King was below average at best, he still managed to take a little credit. (laughs) Um, Church, here's here's, here's what I want to push us on here this morning before I let you go. I want to ask a question. How often do our prayers really revolve around us getting the glory? How often do our prayers revolve around us getting some of the credit? How often do our prayers really are about us being, getting through life safe, soft, easy, and comfortable? And I wanna push us and I wanna challenge us to pray with an eternal perspective when you pray. Because when there's an eternal perspective, you back up in disappointment and you say, man, what's the bigger picture here? And Daniel, though, profoundly disappointed with the news he had just received and the news as he understood it, was still able to pray, hey, you know what, God? You're going to be true to your character. You're going to be true to your promises. And even though we're sitting, I'm going to spend a lifetime here, I can still ask that you would be glorified in your people, that the name of God would be lifted up in a strange land. And church, I want to remind you, like this world is not your home. See, we forget that. I mean, really, we're really like Daniel here, actually. Like we're in a strange land and a strange place and the world is passing away and there's something bigger going on than the here and now. And it would revolutionize our prayers if we prayed with a big picture in mind. It would revolutionize our idea of fairness and disappointment if we prayed with a bigger picture in mind. If we prayed, God, we want your, your name to be famous. We want your character to be revealed. We're going to be a people that prays for your name's sake. And so here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to close this with a prayer. And I'm going to pray over the life of Coastal Community Church. And my challenge to you is this week, would you make that a focus of your prayers? That we And by the way, the church is not a building. Church is not some organization or institution out there. The church is the people of God that commit to, together to serving Him. And so I have no problem praying, hey God, may your name be made famous among your people. So the people would, in our culture, would say, I don't know what's going on over there, but I want what they have. So let's lift up this church in prayer this week. Let's bow our head and close with prayer. God, it excites me when I look in this room. These are your people. These are your name bearers. They're going to leave here this week, man, and life is hard and we're in a strange land and the world is broken. There's a lot of difficulty, a lot of challenges, a lot of disappointments. But God, we go out this morning as your name bearers. God, I pray over these people. I pray your hand of blessing in their hearts and in their minds, God. God, I pray where there's sin in the camp, God, that it would be repented of and we would pursue holiness and righteousness for your namesake. God, I pray for our interactions this week as we go out into the community, the people's paths that we cross, God, that we would have an opportunity to lift up the name and fame of Jesus Christ, God, that we would be on mission to lift up Christ for your name's sake. God, I pray that you would help grow this church body as we use our gifts and our talent and we work in unity and we submit to the authority of your word and we lift up the gospel of Christ for your name's sake. God, that the church and your people would grow. And by the power of your spirit, God, there would be a profound sense of awe and a profound sense of repentance and a profound sense of a return to the gospel of Christ for your name's sake. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church, this is our offering time. If you're a guest with us this morning, thank you so much for being here. I just want you to know we're not after your money, and this service is our gift to you. This is just one of the ways we worship God at Coast Community Church by giving back generously. Um, as a guest, we'd love to have one thing from you. On the side of that bulletin is a tear-off, uh, and if you would fill that out, we just want to send you a thank you card for coming. We call that a connect card, and we'd love to connect with you and say thank you for coming. If you're here this morning and you have a prayer need, uh, we always have one of our prayer team leaders that are up here at the front. Um, they're sitting up here. They're designated because they wear purple shirts, so you'll know who they are, and uh, they would love to pray with you. So if you came in with a heavy heart and you want to talk to someone, pray with someone, uh, They're here throughout the offering. They're here after the service, and they would love to pray with you. And then one final thing. Don't forget next week is baptism. If that's something you've been praying about and thinking about, if you would meet with us right after the service, back here in the administrative offices, go out and to your right, okay? And we'll meet with you and talk to you about baptism next week. Brian?